What's really good and welcome back to another episode of the Sanchez Show. I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend of Two Games. And today is Sunday, January 24th, also known as Championship Sunday in the NFL. But first things first, we got to start with the most important news that happened over the last few days. We want to express our condolences. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Aaron family as legendary and Hall of Fame baseball player Hank Aaron passed away on Thursday. And uh, it's a bit ironic that I was preparing to record this episode on that day, but I wanted to wait. I wanted to get my thoughts together uh, because this is episode 44 and we're paying our respects to number 44, you know, the, the Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, one time home run king. But he was more than that. As a man, he was an activist. He fought for social equality and someone who was very outspoken, um, even at a time when it was frowned upon. I mean, we know athletes deal with that now. And athletes are told to shut up and dribble or shut up and play your game. But we're talking in the 70s. We're talking, you know, a little over 40 years ago. He was dealing with that same criticism and on a much harsher level than we even see now, um, which may be hard to believe because in this era of social media, when fans and haters alike have instant access to comment, send you a message, reach out to you, and in some cases even touch you because of um, the way our society works these days. He had to deal with these things um, to the tune of getting 3,000 hate letters a day, which is absurd to even think about now. Um, you know, people complain about the negative comments and the negative responses they get on social media. So imagine showing up to the ballpark every day to play your game, and there's already a duffel bag of hate letters waiting for you every day, day in, day out. Doesn't matter what you're going through in your personal life. And this guy went through that every day. And still, at the time, broke what was considered the most sacred record in all the sports by becoming the home run king and dethroning Babe Ruth. And I think we've got to, I think we got to take a moment to reflect and just think about some of the things he had to overcome and what he had to deal with, the racism he had to see day in day out, the stereotypes that people uh, assumed about him. You know, he fought hard to try to become a major league baseball manager. Um, ultimately getting a job in the front office when he retired. But again, someone who was the home run king, someone who is viewed by many people as one of the top 25 ball players of all time. And, and again, everybody's list differs. But I wanted to start the show off by thanking him for the sacrifice he made and for some of the things he had to endure for us to get to the place we're at now as a society. It's not great. We still got a lot of work to do. But he fought to at least get it to this point. And I've, I've been in the past critical of Major League Baseball's lack of an effort to include um, the young black athlete, to cater towards a young black athlete. And I don't mean that in a, in a way of you must cater to that athlete. No, but that athlete should be included in the direction of your sport. We see it in the NFL. We see it in, in the NBA in terms of youth programs and things that are done within the inner city to get kids excited about those sports. And we don't quite see it with Major League Baseball. It's one of the things Hank Aaron was, was fighting for. And uh, hopefully we can continue to see those efforts move forward. And, you know, ultimately, again, thank you, Hank Aaron. Our thoughts and prayers are with your family. Um, and as always, man, legends never die. But with that being said, let's get into this episode. Again, episode 44, we're calling it the Hank Aaron episode, but it is championship weekend. So we got to get into some NFL talk. But before we do, as I always explain to you guys, the platform's open for anyone who wants to have a great sports debate. So if you've got a topic or something you want to hear discussed here on the show, send it over to me. I may discuss it. I may even invite you on the show to have the conversation. 
Also, follow me across all social media platforms. It's Legend of Two Games completely spelled out. With that being said, let's get into it. It is probably one of the most exciting Sundays of the NFL season because we get to find out who's going to the Super Bowl. I also like this weekend in particular, this particular weekend, I should say, because of the matchups we have. It's very rare that you can look back at history and say, yep, the four best teams in the NFL are playing. But I think that's what we're seeing. The four best teams in the NFL are going at it this weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs are hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Green Bay Packers are hosting Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. We've got great quarterbacks on every team. We've got good defenses on every team. Aside from Kansas City and Buffalo, they, they don't have really good defense. They've got average defenses. But nonetheless, their offenses are so great, it makes up for what they're missing on defense. We've got some good coaching. Andy Reid on one side. we got some young coaches um, like Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. It's going to be an exciting weekend. And I think that ultimately we're going to get two really good football games there are also revenge factors in these games as both these teams played earlier in the season. Kansas City went to Buffalo, I believe it was in week five, and won that game. Tampa Bay hosted Green Bay and also in week five and beat them and beat them pretty soundly. And, and the final score looked lopsided. The game wasn't as lopsided. Uh, late in the second quarter, that game kind of took off for Tampa Bay and they controlled from that point on. But we'll start there. Let's start with Green Bay Tampa. So first things first, I'm going to let you guys know. My prediction before the playoffs started was that we would see Green Bay and Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I still feel that way. Um, I thought this year's playoff format and what it looks like is going to be moving forward where the, only the number one seed gets the bye week was very beneficial because it created a, a situation where you only had to win two games to get to the Super Bowl. But more importantly, the, the team that did not get the bye would probably have to go on the road twice to be able to get to the Super Bowl. It's very tough, whether there's fans in the stands or not. It's very tough to go on the road multiple times and win games and then do it with this high-pressure, uh, high-intensity situations. So I, I thought those teams both had an advantage in that sense. I think they still have an advantage, but we're going to start with Green Bay and Tampa. To me, I have not been impressed with Tampa Bay for quite some time. And that's not a knock against Tom Brady. I think it's just an overall knock on the coaching. And I think it's an overall knock on just the fact that this team never had a full training camp to gel and they had to do it on the fly. And I commend them for being able to get to this point while having to do it on the fly. They had to figure things out. They had to kind of pl plug and play some guys at certain points too. But I think now it catches up to them. They won't have Antonio Brown today. We know Mike Evans has also been banged up a little bit. They ran the ball pretty decently last week against New Orleans. But more importantly, the one takeaway I had coming away from the New Orleans win and heading into this week is Tampa Bay couldn't move the ball effectively enough to consistently score points. They needed the four turnovers by New Orleans last week that led to three scoring drives to really be able to move the ball and score. That game flipped for anybody who watched it when Jared Cook fumbled late in the third quarter New Orleans was up seven with an opportunity to make it a double-digit game. Then you get the fumble. Then after that, you get an interception. Then you get another interception, and then it snowballed, and it got out of control for New Orleans. They weren't able to get back into the game. Tampa Bay's defense kept setting up Tom Brady with short fields, and they took advantage of it. And again, that's what you're supposed to do. I'm not knocking them for finding a way to win. But I don't think they're going to be um, as fortunate this week against Green Bay. 
I think Aaron Rodgers, after the way he played in his earlier matchup against Tampa, the mistakes he made, the opportunity to go back and look on film, I also think that Devontae Adams is much healthier now. When they played the first time, Devontae had not played in three weeks. He was coming back off injury, so they were trying to work him in. I think there were some mistakes made in blocking assignments by the running backs. I think all those things will be cleared up, and I think Tampa will have trouble consistently getting down the field. They'll have their moments, but we know Antonio Brown is one of Tom Brady's favorite targets, and since he won't be on the field, I think third downs become a little tougher for Tampa in this game as well. For me, the X factor in this game is the running backs for each team. If Tampa can establish Leonard Fournette early and get the ground game going, then set up some opportunities for play action pass to get the ball down the field to Godwin and Mike Evans, then there's some potential there for Tampa Bay to, to get a rhythm early and then kind of ride that wave through the rest of the game. For Green Bay, though, I think it's Aaron Jones because I think Aaron Jones, again, similar skill set to Alvin Kamara. The big difference was last week, New Orleans could not push the ball down the field. So it was a lot easier for Tampa Bay to focus on Alvin Kamara, take away some of his routes out of the backfield. You saw it led to an interception as well. That was a big turning point or kind of sealed the game, I should say, for Tampa. But this week, Aaron Rodgers has no problem throwing the ball down the field. I expect them to test the secondary of Tampa Bay down the field. I expect them to throw the ball consistently down the field. And in doing so, Aaron Jones is going to have a lot of work, a lot of space underneath to work. So I'm looking forward to the running backs being X factors. Ultimately, I come back to, as I said, Tampa not being uh, fully gelled. I also think Green Bay is on a mission. They were a team that lost last year in the NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers understands that his opportunities are limited at this point. He's got to take advantage of one of these NFC Championship moments to get back to his second Super Bowl. He's 0-3 in his last three NFC Championship game appearances, but all of those were on the road. Today is going to be in a cold and icy Lambeau field. I don't think there's going to be any snow on the ground, but I do expect that the temperatures will be below freezing, so it's going to be a hard surface to play on. I think Green Bay wins, and I, th- I think not only do they avenge the, the loss from earlier this season, I think Aaron Rodgers solidifies to everyone why he was the MVP of the league this year. He's been that hot. I think they've taken a lot of things personally this year in terms of how they were viewed by the public, including myself, because early in the season, I was critical of them. I wasn't sure if they had what it took to get to a Super Bowl. But after that game that they blew to the Colts, they've been hot pretty much the rest of the season, aside from the one hiccup against the Vikings. And I don't even count that against them because that was a division rival. It happens sometimes. You play a division team and you come out slow or sluggish. They take advantage of you. They play motivated. They win. But I I point back to that Green Bay game against Tennessee as the moment I thought they had a legitimate shot to get to the Super Bowl. Tennessee, very physical, very rugged team going into Lambeau with a lot to play for because Tennessee was playing for their division at the time. And the Packers put up 44 points on them and thoroughly dominated them. And that to me was that moment that Aaron Rodgers and everybody else on that Packer team wanted to show the NFL, look, we're legit. And if you're gonna if you think you're gonna make the Super Bowl, you're gonna have to come through us. If you think you're gonna win a Super Bowl, you're gonna have to see us at some point. I think today they they further emphasize that point. They win. Aaron Rodgers gets to his second Super Bowl. I think it's been a great season for Tom Brady. I think it's been a great season for that team as a whole. Um ha- having to integrate some new pieces and still being able to get to this point. 
but their inconsistencies on offense cannot show up again today. And I don't think they're going to get four turnovers from Aaron Rodgers. They may get one. It's possible they may even get two. That defense is very fast. But the secondary is a little inexperienced. They're going to have to generate a great pass rush. They're going to have to be very tricky with the way they rush Aaron Rodgers because he's already seen him once. If Leslie Frazier tries to come back with the same, uh, I'm sorry, if Todd Bowles tries to come back with the same game plan that he used the first time, they're going to get burnt in some areas. I'll predict the final score to be somewhere in the range of uh, 28-20. I think Green Bay wins. It'll be a one-possession game, but I think 28-20 to me sits about right where I think it's going to be. So I've got Green Bay going in the NFC. In the AFC, Kansas City's been my pick all season. Nothing changes. Um, yeah, was I concerned with some of the things I saw from Kansas City last week? Absolutely. Cleveland was able to move the ball. Cleveland was able to hang around. Cleveland was also able to bend but not break defensively. But Buffalo's defense isn't as good as Cleveland's. And I think I, I've, I might be in a minority of saying this, but I think... Buffalo has been very fortunate to get to this point. I don't think defensively they've played well at all in these playoffs. The Colts put up 470 yards of offense against them. The Colts had five red zone trips against them. And the Colts ultimately shot themselves in the foot with mistakes. That's why they lost in the first round. Baltimore had five drives last week inside the 30-yard line of the Buffalo Bills and only ended up with one field goal. Obviously, we know about the interception that flipped that game. But Buffalo, to me, struggled last week and struggled the week before defensively. Don't let the fact that they held Baltimore to three points make you think that that defense is good. It is not a good defense. They're looking for revenge as well. They're looking for an opportunity to avenge what happened earlier this season. In that game, Kansas City was able to run the ball. Edwards Hilaire had a big game. It wasn't a shootout that we would have expected from these two teams. But the two most... I guess the, the, the two most distinctive pieces of that game that jumped out to me were Kansas City's ability to run the ball and Kansas City's ability defensively to get off the field on third down. Kansas City controlled time possession. Josh Allen struggled in that game. They struggled to convert third downs. We know Buffalo already does not run the ball. Kansas City was sitting on a lot of coverage schemes in, in, in terms of multiple safeties, cornerbacks on the field only leaving one linebacker on the field, spying Josh Allen while playing coverage most of the game. I expect them to do the same thing again. Buffalo's going to have to come out early and have some sort of commitment to the running game. I know that has not been their game all season. I know you don't like to tinker with things too much this time of year, but you're going to have to throw a curveball at Kansas City if you expect to beat them. I don't think they can come out and do what they did last week against Buffalo, where they came out and 19 of their first 20 plays were all passing plays. I don't think that'll work against Kansas City. I think you've either got to get some sort of running game going. I think you got to get Josh Allen on a move early. Or, to me, the X factor in this game for Buffalo could be their tight end, Dawson Knox. I think he could have a big a big day today. And looking back at what Cleveland was able to do last week with Njoku and with uh, Hooper, they were able to get their tight ends open over the middle of the field and somehow away from Teron Matthew, who in most cases gets that matchup. I think Matthew today will be helping out more on digs over the top and possibly even um, Cole Beasley, though he's been banged up. I think those are the areas where 